we, I was very nervous. I was telling Greg, I'm very nervous because Sass has not had good luck with uh, this Zoom thing. Oh, <laughs> I haven't. I can't believe that this is working. I'm so impressed. But it's also, you know, people, I, it's often this vi- the video stuff, and that's when it gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for fair sure. enough. Oh. And is there anything you don't want to talk about? Uh, race. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion. <laughs> uh, you know, just the... Uh, Politics cro- in general. I'm crossing just, out all my notes. <laughs> shut the F up. <laughs> You're shitting me right now. Thanks for coming on, Sass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great time. See you later. Ciao. <laughs> Holy Hannah. Hi. The following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find him at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Or before we get started, do you have any questions of us before we get started? Um, oh, Jesus, don't even start with me. Because <laughs> if, if, you, if, you, if you say that to me, I'd rather just do the interview with you. All right, talk, let's do it. Ask you guys the questions. Let's do it. Oh. Perfect. So let's start this way, Sus. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, swearing. You can swear no, you if can. you want to. You can. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, just introduce yourself, your name, who you are, and then if you could say right at the end, welcome <laughs> to the music. Welcome to the music. Yeah. Well, my name, when you say who you are, do you, I mean, I'm just going to say my name and yeah. welcome to the music? Yeah. Okay. Introduce yourself. I'm Seth Jordan. I'm the number one selling Female artist of all time. <laughs> Welcome to the music. <laughs> I'm the number one least selling female artist of all time. <laughs> That'd be hot, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, ready? Yep, go. Hi, I'm Sass Jordan, and you are going to be listening to the music. I fucked it up already, kids. I forgot what you said. Sorry. Welcome to the music. Again? Welcome, Welcome to the music. music. Okay, ready? Yep. Hi, I'm Sass Jordan, and welcome to the music. Perfect. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. This is awesome. I'm so excited. Yep. Very excited. Very excited to have you on board today. Yay. Yay. I'm excited to be here, kids. Absolutely. Batting down the sails. So yeah, March March 13th of this year was my son's birthday. And oh. it was also the day wow. that like the world changed for so many people. Including me. <laughs> In- including you specifically, including you. So Thanks, so tell Dana. us. Yeah. Tell us about all these changes that uh, that you experienced specifically on that date. I think so. It's it was already a little crazy. I was on tour with a Bowie celebration, and we had just started. i the the second week of what was supposed to be a, a five week tour. We did about six shows. 
And we found ourselves in Portland, Oregon mm-hmm. for a show. And then the next night, we were supposed to do a show in Seattle, in Washington. And it was a really odd night in Portland because there, there was just a strange vibe going on. Uh, there had been an, uh, an issue, an order that people not gather in more in groups of more than I think at the time it was like 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it, the, the concert happened, the whole staff was sort of on edge. It was a very weird vibe. And our, one of our singers, Joe Sumner had flown in from LA because we'd had two days off prior to it. And he'd gone home. So anyways, he'd flown in from L.A. and he was really, there was a lot of like talking going on. And his wife was very concerned uh, with him um, continuing on the tour because of these rumors she was hearing about the virus. And it was just a really weird night. Anyways, we all got together and it was decided that we would just go ahead and go to Seattle and do the show and just see what happened. Meanwhile, about an hour before the buses were about to leave, we got the word that the Seattle gig had been canceled. So we decided, okay, so then we'll just go on to Vancouver, um, which was the following show. Once we get to Seattle, we'll stay overnight and then we'll just go on to Vancouver. So we get to Seattle in the middle of the night, early, like four o'clock in the morning, get into our hotel rooms thinking, okay, well, we're just going to go on, wake up in the morning. I go down to get a coffee and some of the crew is there, et cetera, et cetera. We're all talking and we're like, wow, this is just crazy stuff that's going on. Like, that's insane. I wonder if any other shows are going to get canceled. (laughs) And about an hour later, the word came down that not only was Vancouver canceled, so was the rest of the tour or postponed, really. You know, that's the words that we, everybody was using. Yeah, at the time. And it was like, okay, everybody has to scramble and find a way home. Now, of course, everybody on tour, some of them were from England. Wow. So we had people from uh, the UK, we had, you know, me in Canada, uh, and the rest of the, you know, some are in LA, some are in, uh, uh, North Carolina. I was just, it was Oklahoma. So we had to find flights right then and there back home, like <laughs> at the drop of a hat. It was the most bizarre, intense scramble. And it's at first, everybody was just so occupied with, you know, what's going to happen, like, how, we got to get the flight, who, how how are we going to get at the airport, blah, 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 blah. And then slowly but surely people, it started to dawn on people that their livelihood, you know, what they had counted on, like the crew people and what they had counted on for the next five weeks to get them through to the summer season had just evaporated, gone up in smoke. And it started to get really tense and sad. There's a lot of, you know, sadness. And there was just this, this, this feeling of 
the like like an earth like the earth had just quaked basically and um i my flight wasn't until the next morning and so everybody had left basically and i was alone in seattle which was like a ghost town i'm going to tell you I, i'm not going to lie and it was just really scary i got to the airport the next morning and there was barely anybody in the airport and it was just a very eerie feeling. I got on my flight. There were like 25 people on my flight home from Seattle to Toronto. Um, and halfway home, I realized, holy crap, this is the day Double Moon Blues is coming out. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was... It was a very strange, surreal experience. And I don't need to tell you or anyone listening that it has not gone away. (laughs) It is still an extremely strange and surreal experience, if not even more so, you know. Um, And of all things, music, which is the thing that, you know, traditionally brings us together yeah is you know it, it it was just shut down all live shows obviously it wasn't just the tour i was on it was everybody everywhere it it's was interesting you say that bizarre yeah. yeah it's interesting you say that because you're, you're right i mean you know and it's something that cream and i've talked about numerous times how how uh like you're right. Music, music is the one of the main things that brings us together. Yet, potentially, it's going to be one of the last things we're going to be Indeed. able to get together to celebrate. Exactly. Isn't it the strangest thing? It's just, yeah. it's so strange. And yet, you know, there isn't much we can do about it. I mean, it's you know, people can do um shows online etc uh, you know virtual shows but it's yeah. just not even close to the same thing i mean it doesn't have that 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 energy that you get when yeah. you're all together when there's a group of people together i mean you know even like families you know people mm-hmm. oh my goodness not being able to have a funeral or a wedding or you know birthday parties just the things that we count on as human beings to give us a sense of, of, of safety, of belonging, of community, those things that are so, yes, that are so integral to the human experience. I mean, these things have been taken away. It's a very peculiar and our livelihood, excuse me, did I mention, you know, everybody, everybody, very strange. Yeah, everybody Very from uh, the artists all the way down to the roadies and people selling oh, I, pop in the arenas and stuff. Yes. I, I'm not even talking about just music at this point. I'm talking about the whole darn thing. Yeah. <laughs> Human, you know, life, just our, our life as we've, as we've known it, certainly since I was born, you know, and that's been a hot minute. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> was there was there any five? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Was there any thought of pulling the album and and not releasing it, or no. was it like, oops, too no. late? No, actually, to tell you the truth, 
being me, I like to always look on the bright side of life. (laughs) 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 So my initial reaction was, well, to tell you the truth, this is actually great in a way because I feel that people are going to be spending a whole heck of a lot more time at home Mm -hmm. and looking for something to do. And in fact, I think this is actually probably better. It actually gives the, the, the record a a real chance because nobody's got anything else to do. You know, I, obviously they do, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, you know, I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be listening to music, checking out stuff I haven't ever had the time to do. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. You know? So it's like, in the end, for me, I, I think it was actually, uh, in, in that sense, it was helpful rather than a negative thing. How, how have you pivoted in terms of supporting the album release with this new reality? Well, see, ordinarily, what I would have done is exactly what we are doing right now. I would have been talking to people about it, whoever wanted to hear about it, and I would have eventually started touring behind it. I am still, I'm still talking to people nonstop. It's like incredible. And I think, uh, and obviously the touring part will be happening in the future at an undisclosed at this moment date. Cause who hell, who the hell knows, but it will happen, mm. you know, cause you can't keep us down forever kids. Yep. Right? Sure. So yeah. Yeah. So it, it, in the end, it isn't really that, much of a disruption. It was very much a disruption for a tour that was already happening. That mm-hmm. was already, you know, playing shows and stuff like that. That was that was brutal. But other than that, you know, everything's been postponed to next year. Most of it. I, I think there's some stuff still in October, November for me. But who knows, right? Mm-hmm. I still, you know, who knows? That could go away as well or get pushed back as well. So, yeah. You must be happy, though, with uh, the success so far of Rebel Moon Blues. It's been, I think uh, it's tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. I sound like... <laughs> no, don't say it. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Just using that word, I'm like, oopsie. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But it's, got, it's, it's a great it's sound. It's a great feel, a great vibe to it. Like, what was... Yeah. What was the process in doing something not different, but a little? It is different in the sense that it's it's a lot more um, classic type blues approach to the blues yeah, than I've, I've done before. Um, and it's ironic, guys, because it's like, here am I going back to a real root of music because I consider blues and jazz and classical to be the roots of everything we do musically. I mean, those are the true roots. And here I am going back to a, a, like a, a, a real root of music in a time when I think people are sick hmm. and tired of any kind of artifice out there. I, I, this music is very authentic and 
it's 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 very stripped down. It's not uh, you know, it's not all tarted up. It's not um, uh, the word I want is it's like there's no icing on the cake. It's just the cake, hmm. you know, with with pure organic ingredients in it. There's no farting around in it. And I think it's so bizarre that the timing of it, it just came out right now when that's what we need. We want to hold on to, to something authentic that feels uh, like it has a root in something we can sort of depend on, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of spectacular in a way. Do you think I'd we're going to hear more of that? Do you think we're going to hear more of that moving forward from like, we're going to talk about the connections and yeah, like, like musicians really going back to, to more the not the know. basics, but the roots and the basics and the, yeah, know. no, you're right. It is, it is the basics. It is the roots. I, 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 you know what? It's so difficult for me to say what anyone else is going to do. I, I really don't know. I, I think it's entirely up. There's nothing wrong with other kinds of music. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it at all. There's mm-hmm. tre- back to my favorite word, tremendous um, <laughs> artistry in all kinds of music, in all kinds of music. And there's authentic artists everywhere. It's, you know, but it's, I just, it, it, it actually seems to have been a trend that happened that was starting to happen already, to be honest. That's, that's the way I see it. Nice. Sass, I have to ask you this question because it sounds like you're in paradise. I'm hearing birds. You have hearing more bird sounds than I have, and I'm on the Manitoulin right now. So I, I you're, 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 Stop. Telling- you're, you're, you're on the Manitoulin Island. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. I am so jealous. I can't stand it. <laughs> I'm just in the backyard. <laughs> I like sitting outside when I'm talking, I like looking at trees and stuff. It sounds like a lovely backyard. <laughs> oh, it is. It's, it's, it is. It's heavenly. Nice. Heaven on earth, I say. There's uh, a lot of that on this earth, but we've just gotten so far away from it. And this is our reset button, kids. Boop. You have yeah, no choice. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. You said something about this album. Um, and I sort of want you to sort of unpack it. You said... I find that not messing with the original gender is particularly relevant in today's climate. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look, (laughs) it's, oh boy, that's so deep. I have to find a way to uh, readers digest my thoughts on that because that could be an entire podcast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you said that way back when, like before the album was even released. Um, Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, Uh yeah, it's just interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So in today's climate, because everything feel like there's just a, 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 a huge amount of confusion over gender, over role, over expectations of, of you know, the roles of genders. I, it, 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 the, the world is in a massive flux, a, a, a sea change, a complete and total on every level, not to mention economic, did I say economic, on every single level that we know of in our modern life everything is changing. Mm-hmm. 
and and rapidly too. I mean, you know, right when you think you're getting used to something, whoop, it changes again. You know, and what are humans more afraid of than change? Yeah. <laughs> and that's and yet, what can we count on more than change? Nothing. There's yes. a stability in change. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, it's so ridiculous. So the gender thing, I just at this point, I don't see any any reason to change the original gender that a song was written, and it was. It's not even mm, for the most part. I would say the songs aren't about a gender; they're mm-hmm. about a feeling and an mm-hmm. emotion that mm-hmm. is actually uh, the same across any gender. Yeah. You know, whatever, because you know there are five or something, right? <laughs> There's, yes. Mm-hmm. There's more than one or two, I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, and at this point, it almost doesn't seem to have any meaning anymore, mm-hmm. gender, in, in a lot of ways. With You know, that's bullshit, what I just said, but... Uh, I mean, at at certain levels of it. Sure. Yeah. Let's go way back um, to to I, I guess when you sort of discovered not just that you liked music, but that you liked playing music. And and uh, as I was doing some research, there was one song that really had a huge impact on you, and that was a song by the band, "The Night They Drove yeah. Old Dixie Dan." Can you? Yeah. I, I had a chance to go see, I think it was last September, I went to TIFF and I went to see oh, yeah. that, I went to see that Robbie Robertson, the band movie. Um, oh, and, wait, not the old one. No, the one that he just released. No, the documentary. Year, the, uh, the documentary. Oh, okay, okay. When We Were Brothers. I haven't seen yeah. that. Oh my goodness. I need to see that. So good. I so really good. need to see that. Oh was, my goodness. Anyways. Sorry it was, to cut you off. Yeah. No, no. It was it was it was a great and, and obviously the songs and and they've just got songs that are so timeless. But I'm I'm really curious. Um what did that song do to you? I don't know if you okay, can remember so that. I, I oh, yes I can. That's like that was a seminal moment in my in my life. So I definitely remember. But it was more about up until that time, I think I was about nine years old. Up until that time, I had been very sequestered in my little bubble of life with my parents who were British immigrants mm-hmm. um, in Canada, and we had just spent a year in India. We'd lived in India for a year, and I have, had been only with my parents, and the only music my parents ever listened to was classical. I had also been exposed to um, you know, different types of Indian music while I was in India, which was absolutely mesmerizing and very uh, powerful for me. And then when we got home back to Canada, my brother and I discovered he could change the dial on the radio. (laughs) And instead of classical music coming out, all of a sudden this sound came out. And what I think I remember the most about that song, it could have been any song guys, but it happened to be that one. It was the drums. The sound of drums mm. and electric guitars and this kind of very intense rootsy feel, uh, which I now know that's what it was. But at the time, I had no idea. It was just a completely different sound from what I had been used to. And I felt like 
that it was like, that is it, man, that I have to do this. I have to make sounds like that. Wow. That's what I got to do. Yeah. So it wasn't even about a lyric. It wasn't about, you know, which of course in later days became paramount in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Although nothing ever takes away from the rhythm and, uh, well, the rhythm of a song for me. I mean, that's really, the rhythm will dictate the story to me most of the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the chords and the chordal structure. But it was really, it was the fact that that, that it had this beat and and these drums and these guitars, it was that. It was like I'd never heard anything like that. And you also, I, I guess that would be your first, that song was sort of your first love of music. And I know your first concert was a, was a Bowie concert, in fact. Yes. How weird is that? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> it's so weird. Like I know. Eh? I like, it was the Diamond Dogs tour at the Montreal Forum, which is now long gone yeah i saw many concerts there and i even played there before it was destroyed thank god because it was such an important part of my childhood you know mm-hmm. i mean it was part of setting me on this road of, of music as well um yeah it was the diamond dogs tour <laughs> holy hannah I, were you and, and edgar <laughs> winter group opened edgar winter group opened wow. oh wow oh, oh yeah Come on and take a free ride. Free oh, yeah. ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Killer, dude. Killer. How old were you when you went to that show? I think I would have been 13-ish. Hang on. Excuse my language. Uh, I think I was 13. 12 you, were, you, were, you were already playing music? By no, that time? Not, no. Not, no. You're not no, yet. No, no. No, fourteen was when that whole that the whole shebang started, and mm. it, it sort of just. I knew what I wanted to do. I had no idea how to go about doing it. I didn't have the first clue. I don't think. I mean, it was a very, very different time. There were pterodactyls at that time, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was it was just a, a completely different landscape. I mean, anyone today is couldn't understand it unless they lived through it you know so it started by I, I i had these friends and they played guitars and we and then they started playing the songs of the day on the guitars and we started singing along me and my best friend victoria vicky and uh then we started playing in the park because we'd stay out late We'd stay out late in, in Westmount Park in Montreal, smoking pot and, you know, doing the thing. And just, it just grew from there. And then eventually we got pretty good at it and we started getting offers to do shows. Was that and Sweet Thunder? Fun. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> that name never failed to kill me. <laughs> how, how, how did you guys how did you how did your kids land on that name sweet thunder well i have no idea i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> biggest shit name i've ever heard <laughs> but it, 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 it that that was what we were called so there you have it <laughs> but after a few joints it sounds pretty good it's what doesn't <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I know you, I know you were a bass player, uh, but I'm curious, was it, did you gravitate to an instrument first or, or was it singing that really attracted you musically at first? I'm, I'm curious about that. hundred percent singing, hundred thousand percent singing. Uh, the bass playing was an accident. Oh, what happened was my old school friend, David Hazen called me one day. He was a, a, a grade ahead of me. Um, but we knew each other because we were in the same music class. They, they put the two, two grades together in the music class in high school. Um, and he called me one day and he said, listen, my band, uh, the bass player just quit and we need a bass player and we have a gig in two weeks. Can you learn? And oh, I'm wow. like, how old am I? I'm about 17 at this point. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my sweet Lord. That just shows you the uh, level of naivete. But anyway, he goes, well, we'll show you the notes. <laughs> the notes? What are those? And the, the notes for, on the bass. And you can just, and we, we just, we have a gig in two weeks. I'm like, for sure, dude, whatever. I can do it. Holy hell. And so uh, I did. I'm quite sure that I sucked royal balls, but nobody seemed to notice or care. So, and then I, of course, started getting better because we kept sure. playing and playing and playing and playing until I ended up being fairly good at it until I broke up the band in 1981 or 80. I can't remember, whatever. It was again a hot minute ago. Mm. And, uh, and then I put down the bass and I just concentrated on singing because it was much easier to carry a voice around than it was to carry a bass around. And it wasn't really the, the, ease, the best way for me to express what I need to express is through my voice. Hmm. What was, what was the, 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 so you, you move into vocals and you start working with a number of acts around that time into the next few years. What was it like around the Montreal scene at that point? I mean, I'm assuming you were in the Montreal scene at that time. And, oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, like, I think of, you know, like, and again, this is fast forwarding a few years, but like one of my favorite bands out of Montreal ever, The Box. Like, oh, my it was a real, oh, my real God. great scene yes. happening around that time. I was hoping you'd sort of touch on that a bit. Well, yes. Well, so, the, so um, the Pinups, which is the band that I, I was the bass player and singer in, uh, co-singer because we had a lead singer and I was the other lead singer. There were two lead singers. Um, was very much what was called at, at the time new wave. It was called new wave music. Hmm. But ironically, what was included under that banner were bands that you would never in a million years put under that banner today, like Tom Petty and Cheap Trick and, sure. uh, you know, stuff like that. And we, and we did the Stones and the Who and the Cars and Blondie and all that type of stuff. Um, and the box actually was more mid-80s, right? So the scene that I was in with, with uh, the new wave stuff with the Pinnacks was a, an extremely healthy uh, bar scene. And we toured in most of the time we toured in Quebec and the Maritimes. First time I ever went to Newfoundland was with the pinups and they were still fishing the cad back then. Oh, uh, it, yeah. Oh my God. The stuff I'm telling you the stuff. 
that happened. Anyways, it was so so that all happened and then when I disbanded when I left the pennant in eighty one, I think it was eighty one, and decided I just wanted to go full time singing and I wanted to be a solo artist because I didn't want to have to deal with band bollocks anymore. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Again the word the word naive comes to mind. <laughs> Well, tell like what was it? I mean, you, you when you tour, you tour with a band. Um, oh yeah. So, like, what, yes. what was it about actually being in a band? Well, uh, being being part of a of a band where it's more like a a, a democracy, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we all know doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a lot tougher because you have to come to um, agreements as as a group. You know, and so if you have two against two, it gets very sticky and, and a ball, you know, a pain in the ass. So sure. as a solo artist, hiring a band, well, the band has been hired by you. So they're going to do what you say. You see what I'm saying? So you're mm-hmm. the boss. Fair enough. And that was probably a better position for me, knowing my personality. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so you, so... Did you now, were you a, I know you did a lot of work with, were you in the box? Were you? Uh, well, I was a backup singer. So just a backup we were hired, singer, okay. Yeah, we were hired to, to do the shows, do the live shows. I sang on one of the records. I, I did some backups on one of the records, um, uh, Closer Together, which was a big record for them. But ironically, although, <clears throat> although the video stars me and Salty, who was the other singer at the time. It, it stars us, in, the, in other words, we're featured in the video, the box closer together. But in fact, it is not me singing that, singing on that track. It's not oh. me. It's, it was, it was a uh, really successful and well-known at the time Quebecois singer by the name of Martine Saint-Claire. She is the one who's, who actually sang on that track. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. How was it going Most solo? Most people must... don't know that. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I think of that song, and I think of that—that's your voice that I'm hearing. Well, yeah, because it's so misleading because of the video, and the video was a big, huge video. So, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I understand why people would have thought that. I would have thought that. Sure. But I cannot take credit. Videos is something that is that is. Uh, almost come and gone it was you gone know, the way of the dodo yeah yes, yes it right does. it used yes. to be like if you got on in can if you got on much music um yes. you know you had made it um it you know, exactly. to have, yeah and now it's like what what's much showed videos like um how, yeah i i exactly how how important was was much music for artists back in the day well it was huge it was everything it was everything, MTV, much music. But it was it was huge, and that's really how I became known. Pretty much overnight mm. was when my first video came out and got play got put into high rotation because it was Canadian content. Yep, and there wasn't a whole lot of it at the time because this was early days, you know, mm-hmm. in the late eight, well, late eighties, early nineties, and. I mean, it, that's that's what put me on the map for sure. 
And do you remember as an artist always thinking about video? Like how does how will this song play in the video? Um, like was that part of writing a song? Was thinking about how it would look visually, mm. or did that not ever come no. into play? No, not for me. It didn't, but I, I'm sure it did for some people, mm-hmm. for some artists, definitely. Uh, like Aha, remember that? Yes, that song by Aha. Yeah, take on. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Greg. Uh, yeah. So, so it definitely was for for some artists, and but not for me. No, no. It was always music. The music first, and and the the videos were usually they were never my idea. Like I or uh, I would have like a vague. Well, can we do something? You know, kind of like this. But the early videos were most definitely not me. They were um, this wonderful team from Quebec who were students at the time and went on to become really big deals in the film industry in Quebec after they had done all those videos. I mean, they didn't just work with me. I was the first one they worked with. As Interestingly enough, Mm. I have been someone who has worked with video directors I was like the first video that they did as video directors who went on to become huge, huge. Like, uh, what the heck was the name of that? Oh God, that film, not sunshine of the spotless. Oh dear. I can't remember the name of it. Valerie, uh, Valerie Drayton and Jonathan something. Oh, I can't think of their names. This is embarrassing, but they became really uh, big directors in Hollywood and uh and went on to do huge videos with like you know the smashing pumpkins and all kinds of huge won all kinds of awards oh uh, valerie ferris and jonathan dayton or drayton i think that was her name mm. anyway so them and then also uh another guy oh me and my memory i tell <laughs> you i can't think of his name but he became a huge video director he worked a lot with marilyn manson and uh, it was an, a band from uh, Toronto, a punk band, and Avril Lavigne was married to one of them. I can't think of the damn name of them. Some 41. Thank you, Some 41. You rock. I'm, just, you I'm, I'm here as your sidekick. I'm here as your sidekick, okay, Sass. You just throw it to me anytime. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm completely impressed. Anyways, uh, that guy. Anyway, yeah. So it, it so it was. I was like at the beginning of a lot of these huge, um, hugely successful directors and and film people's careers. I happen to be a person who manages to launch the career of a, a huge careers for a lot of people <laughs> just by accident. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> I seem to have the Midas touch for other people's careers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Who were some of the, so who were some of your favorite like collaborators that you worked with, whether it was from like you know writing or in production or whichever? Uh, mu- well, favorite. I'd say some of my most prolific and. Uh, best-known stuff uh, happened with a, a guitar player by the name of Stevie Salas, 
Yes. And yeah, and yes. another guy named Rick Nair who produced uh, uh, Racine and Present, and he and I wrote quite a. Well, he and I wrote Rick Nair and and me wrote uh, Make You Believer, which is probably the biggest song I've ever done. So he and I wrote that. And other people, but I'm not, I don't know that you would know who they are per se. Like I, I, I've done amazing stuff with a, a drummer guitar player by the name of Brian Tishy that I really, really love. I, I mean, I, I love everybody I've worked with. You know, everybody had something special. And it's actually, it's the combination, it's an energetic combination of the writers together, I think, that really produces the juice. It's like, if you have that difficult to articulate energy with somebody, it, it'll come out in the music. And I mean, that, that's not just with writing. I mean, that's with playing as well, you know, like live shows, et cetera. You know, I, I uh, wrote a song with a guy that I absolutely love and loved working with as well, named by, by the name of Richie Cotson, who's a guitar player, uh, singer, songwriter guy, um, American guy, and has really quite a, a big career on his own. And he, oh my goodness, he, he was in a band called Poison. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> a thousand years ago, but he was just on another level. He didn't last that long in that band. That was when, what was that? Glam, what's that? What they call glam rock or big hair rock? What was that? Yeah. Uh, it's not glam rock because that would be the 70s. That would be more like. Um, it was just big hair. Mark Bolin and that guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was It was hair, hair bands. Hair, late hair 80s bands. Hair bands. Hair bands. Yeah. Cinderella, hair bands. Poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Winger. Yeah, little little Kippy Winger. I love Kip, though he's a good guy. Greg anyway, Greg yeah. was Greg was in a hair band back in the day. Shut up. I was. Which one? Um, couple bands, International Boundaries and the Life. Um, they just wow. Just what did you play? Keys. Oh, great! Keys, wait, keys wait, Sass, Sass. He's lying. He, Greg. What kind of keys? You can't just leave it at keys because everyone's thinking about a keyboard. You played a. I had I had keys. I had a Poly eight hundred that I strapped around my neck and used as a as Kareem would call oh, it a yeah. keytar. Um, yeah, I would I use it did. as a remote keyboard and ran MIDI to my my stack. Yep. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear of the Dan Reed Network? Yes. Oh my God! Because that's what Blake used to do. That. Holy yep. Hannah, this yep. is great. I love it. Yep. Mike Garson in uh, in a Bowie celebration, he had one of those two. I used to try and get it off him. I'm like, Mike, sit back. Get back to the piano. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike is one of my gods. Mike is my, like, I've got goosebumps right now when you bring him up. Oh, just, like, he. And, and it, in fact, you know in fact I took, I, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. No, I, you keep talking. I'll tell you in a minute. I was just going to say, I took, I took Kareem out on a date to go see the Bowie celebration that you were at, at the Danforth Music Hall. And uh, I was, I was, and it's, it's, it's posted on social media. I was literally crying and Kareem confirmed oh, that because yeah. I was just Are you beside myself. Oh, Wait a second. Okay. Was it the first time or the second time? Who were the singers? Do you remember? Bernard um, or? Um, 
Yeah, Bernard was there. Um, it was the first. It was the first time through the Danforth. Okay, so it? yeah, that was, wasn't it. Two years. It was, ago? It was uh, February February twenty eighteen, around there. So Charlie Sexton was not there. No. No. Okay, got it. So it was it was um, it was Joe Sumner. Yep. Bernard. Yep. And. Um, Oh my God. Are you seriously, Seth? Are you seriously going to forget her name? She's like one of my favorite singers. Oh my goodness. Oh God. Seth. I remember too. I'm not, I'm not happy I'm with myself right now. I love her. She's amazing. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the, okay. the lineup, the lineup was stellar and, and the music and the memories and yeah. And, and like I said, Mike's just a, a God to me. So. Well, you know what? He really is. He truly is. He's one of the most, extraordinary amazing human beings i've ever met in my life i mean that's him on aladdin saying say no more you know what i mean and on god and countless other stuff he's just gabby her name is gabby oh gabby yes 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 they, oh, Gabby, what? Oh, my God, Sass. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I, I know her so well. I, dear me. Anyways, but Mike is extraordinary. And every show I played with him, of which we did a bunch in Europe and in Israel at the beginning of this year, as well as we were, you know, into the, into the U.S. run, every single show, I mean, he's something else. He, he really, he's everything you think and more. He's spectacular. And, and- and the person that I want to ask about, because I'm a massive, massive Living Color fan, and Corey yeah. didn't play the oh, trumpet. Corey. What was I it like Corey. sharing that with Corey? Because I mean, I just like he's he's another one of my gods, personally. Oh, he's he again another. He's just he is something else. You want to see an entertainer? That boy is an entertainer. Yeah, That's I all I have to say. He yeah. could get. He got the entire auditorium on their feet in Paris, France in January where, and they were so stayed sitting there in their chairs, didn't really know what to do. I mean, it was, it was like they, they, they were like an oil painting, but smoked type of thing. And Corey got them off their ass. He is, he's something else, that kid. I love Corey. I love him. Hmm. So I love I, them all. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about working with Stevie? I've, I've recently, I've probably heard a bunch of his stuff, but I recently have discovered that who he is and stuff. Um, uh-huh. And he's someone I'd love to, to chat with on the podcast, but tell me about working with him. Oh, uh, really? I can get you in touch. Oh, that'd be awesome. Are you kidding me? He'd be thrilled. Trust me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get you that information. Um, I'll tell you about working with him. He, he, he was a pistol, that kid. He was a pistol. (laughs) And, uh, it was, it was very intense and it was an intense time in my career too. I mean, it was like the early nineties when we worked together uh, the most. Um, and it, as is common with a lot of artsy people, there's a lot of emotionality and it's not necessarily the easiest thing that you'll ever do. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I mean, he's an extremely talented guy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I don't know if it's just you or other artists have a bunch of these, but you've got like the best rock ballads. Uh, I want to oh, believe wow. sun's going to rise. You don't have to remind well, me. Uh, all written with Stevie. I'll say. Oh my goodness. So okay. Know. Okay. All, I, all of those songs I wrote with Stevie. Yeah. Yep. Um, are, are those your favorite? Like, I'm curious what your favorite type of song to sing for you is. No, the uh, ballads. I, it's funny. It's so interesting that you'd say that because I think I'm one of the most, the least, I'm one of the artists with the least amount of ballads in their rep, in their catalog. I, I, I'm not generally drawn to slower stuff. It's, it's, it's more, um, Oh God, that's something that I don't know how to say, how to articulate this properly. To me, I think one of the main things that I was drawn to with rock type music Mm. was that it was a very powerful outlet for anger and frustration Ah. Mm. and it, which is best um, voided from the body through heavy, faster sounds, you know, Uh, when you're, and it's, 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 it's easy to, divest yourself of of this intense anger that a lot of us were born with <laughs> mm, sure like what the fuck am i doing here <laughs> pardon my language again. Mm-hmm, yeah. but uh and and when you're getting into a ballad you're getting into the much mm. sort of deeper in the sense of more vulnerable side and that's more difficult to to uh, share, even though in the end, that's what people really want. Well, they want both. They want both. You know, I like both, but I, I'm very particular about a ballad because I have to be able to sing it every night. I have to be able uh, to relate to it every night. And and it, and it's not just the energy of the crowd that will get you through the song with a ballad. It's, you also have to reach into the very deep emotional vulnerable side of yourself yeah so i i want to ask you this like you know this is a uh you know you, we talked about you know during this past three months it's, it's sort of forced everyone to stop slow down smell the roses if you will yeah um and one, the shit and the shit oh that is so true yes. isn't it yes yes it is but that's what uh, roses grow out of so yep. yeah are are you so i'm curious if you, if you are writing songs if you're thinking about the type of music you want to you want to create and is it is it the angry stuff is it the sentimental stuff right now i'm, I'm wondering about that oh wow what a great question i like that question okay and because fascinatingly enough I haven't felt even the slightest twinge or urge to express through music in the oh. past three months. How weird wow. is that? 
Yep. Isn't that interesting? And I think it's because it's a gestation period because so much is changing so rapidly. I have not yet come to the point where I'm going to be able to translate this into my expression because I don't know really what I think yet. It's still in the state of one day it's this, the next day it's that. It's a, a, a sensation of flux. I, I don't know what the hell is happening, and I don't know how I feel about it yet, other oh, than just you okay. know, the, the surface stuff. Yeah. Ah, yeah. so it's like you're, you're, you realize you're not writing necessarily right now. You're not angry with that fact. You're not happy with that fact. You're like, okay. This is interesting. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm completely good with it. Okay. Everything feels exactly right. Mm. I really want to do another record of this blue stuff because I'm completely enamored with that right now. And I don't have to write the songs. They're already written. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Unless I, unless, unless I come to a point where I'm like, I'm ready to express in this, uh, in, in, in this frame in this framework, something that's coming out of something I'm making up, huh. you know, but other yeah. than that, the, the, the blues music that's already out there, I can take all these feelings that I've been having ah. in the past three months and find a song that expresses it perfectly emotionally. And that's, I'm more interested in that right now at this moment which will change because I'm an artist. Hmm. You know what I mean? But this is how it's, it's just, it's a fascinating journey to me and I'm good with it. I'm good with it in every which way. Okay. That's good. good. To be. That's good to be. Um, I know I've asked you about musical collaborations. One of the collaborations I wanted to ask you about because I'm in the wine business is your oh, collaboration with Brian at Vineland. You're in the wine business. We need to collaborate. I'm sorry? We need to talk, baby. We do. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. We got to talk. No. <laughs> oh, God. But I was interested in, in, in knowing more about how you got involved with Brian of Vineland and the collaboration on that. Well, how I got involved with him was back in the Canadian Idol days. Uh, I, I got, I, I was introduced to him by the sommelier at the hotel I always stayed at. And he was the first person who introduced me to Canadian wine that was, in my opinion, drinkable. And not only was it drinkable, it was great. Because before that, I, like most of us, you know, was unaware that Canada produced any wine that was drinkable. It was just, you know, shit, basically. Everything that I had tasted... And so Brian was my mentor in that. And I got his, I got a Vineland Estates wine uh, as the house wine in the green room at Canadian Idol because I felt that we should, as, as a Canadian show, we should have a Canadian wine in our, in our green room. And lo and behold, here's some fantastic wines grown right in Niagara. You know, mm -hmm. they're from Niagara. And so that's how I originally got involved with Brian. And we kept in touch over the years. And one day I woke up 
uh, with this idea in my mind, this is how this stuff always happens to me. I wake up in the morning and it comes into my head. And I thought, God, wouldn't it be cool to make a wine? I'd love to make a wine. I love wine. Wouldn't it be cool to express that way? And I thought, well, who the, I wouldn't, I haven't the faintest idea how to get into the wine business, just as I hadn't the faintest idea how to get into the music business. And I thought, well, who do I know? Who knows anything about wine in Canada? Ah, my friend Brian. So he said, come on down to the vineyard and let's have lunch and let's, and let's discuss. And I, cause he, I said, where would I go, Brian? Who do I talk to? What's the first move I would make? He said, come on down. We'll discuss it. So me and my manager, Peter, go down and we're having a fabulous lunch with my dear friend, Brian, who's just one of the greatest people ever in my opinion. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I remember, wait, I'm here to find out who or how would I go about making a wine? So I say this to Brian and Brian looks at me and he goes, Seth, we're going to make your wine. Don't worry about it. And then he changes the subject and starts talking about something else. <laughs> Peter and I are looking at each other like, what the F just happened? What? Brian? I can't think of anything. I thought I would start, you know, like here you have a grape and here you have some yeast and you have to stick these two together and then you can talk to the first person and then after that you can talk. I had no idea I was going to go straight into it and that's that was the genesis of my wine journey so far and it has been nothing but a pure delight and very successful. That's awesome. I, I, like, That's it's been just a, a fantastic experience. Yeah, all around. So, Sass, not only are you and Greg musicians, lovers of wine, <laughs> but you've both been managed by Jake Gold. Well, now, Greg. <laughs> yes. What yes. was the band? What was the band? That would have been. Or was it just you solo? No, no, that was, that would have been, uh, with, the, the initials were INB, were back then. And wow. it was, uh, what was it? It was, sorry? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it was when, it was when the hip were just about to release the first album, and I think we opened up for Visa V at Lee's Palace, and one of Jake's, and I'm going to kick myself because I can't remember her name, a long time ago, uh, saw us open for Visa V at Lee's Palace. And Shelley? Said, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. Shelley said, yeah, yeah. And and said, Jake, you got to talk to these guys. So Jake sent us out on the road um, while they were releasing the hip album. Well, what do you know? Wow, this is way before my time, of course. And that's when I was in the states. I don't really know. I, I, I it's funny. In those days, when you lived in Los Angeles. You were completely cut off from anything Canadian. Like it, it was just like a distant memory at that time. So I didn't, I heard vague rumblings about Jake Gold and they were never good back in those days uh, through my, uh, my American record label at the time. Uh, and then how I met Jake was through Canadian Idol. How was that and experience for you? A fabulous. I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing. We had the greatest time ever. It was a blast. Mm. 
but I didn't really know much about Jake when I met him uh-huh. and he had a heck of a, uh, I found out later he had a heck of a reputation in the biz. Um, but he was, I, we always had the best time together and he was terrific when I was with him and I love the guy. He's like a brother in so many ways. And he's never been anything but fabulous with me because, um, I guess it was, that was, you know, the relationship that we had right from the start was because we were on an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While while you guys were with, uh, Canadian idol, mm-hmm. um, any, I don't know if you remember where, uh, I can't remember that show. I, was, I remember when it was canceled, and that was shocking to me because it was, it was a huge ratings hit as far as I remember. Yeah. Um, w- were there any acts, bands, musicians that came out of that that uh, sort of, I don't know, made it big at least nationally? Do you remember? Out of Canadian Idol? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um Oh, what was his name? There was a huge scandal with him too. Oh God! <laughs> Jake, Jake, J, J. Uh, oh, okay. Well, let me see. If thank I... you, ladies and gentlemen. I have completely. <laughs> <laughs> this is. So I can't help you out on this one. I'm trying to think about. Uh, J- Jason, J, Jake. Jacob Hogard. Jacob Hogard. Ooh, I got it. And so his band, whatever, I can't remember the name of that either, but because, you know. Oh, Headley. 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 Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but he was a a contestant on Canadian Idol. Uh, So him, there was um, Melissa O'Neill, who became, she was a, she won the show and she is now a pretty successful actress. Mm. She's on a show called The Rookie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she was on a show called Dark Matter, and she also did Broadway, and she's actually a phenomenal... She, I think she was my one of my favorite singers from that show, that six years of that show. Oh, yeah. uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. I didn't know she was there. She, okay. Oh, my God, yes. Ah. I was the one that said, you are a star. <laughs> <laughs> but this is many, many moons ago, and yeah. it was before she was one. So, uh, so, so Jacob Hoggard or Hogard or whatever his name is, Headley, Melissa uh, O'Neill, Carly Rae Jepsen. I think those are the biggest ones. But there are other people that did that have done a lot of stuff that has done quite well. Yeah. And you'll have to forgive me for not being up on it because I just, you know. I've, no worries. You, know, you live your life. You talked about acting. Um, you had the acting bug once upon a time. No, I did not. I, didn't, I never had the acting bug. That's actually not true. What happened was I was asked to do these things. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and I thought, oh, well, anything that sounds fun to me, I'll, I'll do. I mean, anything, if it sounds fun and it doesn't scare me, um, half the time I should be scared. I should have been scared. I was an a-hole for not being scared, but because I wasn't scared, I did it. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. So yeah, I, but I never in my life pursued acting. It's not really my thing. So you, did, you, you did not enjoy it? Oh, I enjoyed it. Okay. And I did, but I, I would never want, like, I'd never, uh, you're not pursuing it, it out. Yeah. Precisely. I would never seek it out. I mean, if, if somebody said to me, listen, Hey, Seth, we're doing this uh, show. It's television and it's a sci-fi show. And we want you to act in this sci-fi show. I'd be like, when do I start? Because I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi TV series, sci-fi TV. Oh my God. I love it. Love. So I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. When do we start? Stuff like that. Or if it was some fascinating story and they asked me to do it, they have to ask me, let me tell you, most people, you don't get asked, you know, it's, it's, you have to audition and, and, you know, show that you can do it and want to do it and all that stuff. And I can't be freaking bothered with any of that stuff. Either you want me to do it or forget it. And so basically I don't act. <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. So, oh, Sass, I didn't Sass. mean to sound arrogant. No. Arrogant. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. For, for a second I got, I thought, Oh shit. Did I read like a, the wrong bio oh, on oh, somebody? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh Christ. And who cares if you did? I just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> can't take life too seriously baby no no one gets out alive oh that's a good one that's a good line um, a couple, couple more questions for you Seth. okay um as as i was doing my research i i came across i i must have watched like a dozen videos over the past couple of days of yours and oh, I'm, I'm so sorry my no i love your music <laughs> but I, I saw you on stage with the Foo Fighters mm -hmm. um, and Taylor Hawkins tells the story that yeah. he, he was in your band. You had hired him to yeah. drum. Well, well, tell me about that. Yeah. That back to what I was saying about being the perfect launching pad for many people's careers. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sass, Sass Jordan helped launch the Foo Fighters. That's what we're oh, saying. Yeah. No, my name is Sass Jordan maker of stars maker of stars that's my real name <laughs> and actually it's, I'm, I'm actually good with that i like that idea uh <laughs> yeah i know dave says well if it wasn't for sas jordan yeah taylor hawkins wouldn't be in the food fighters and it's true it's absolutely true um taylor yeah he was just this kid from laguna beach and we were looking for a drummer we, because Stevie was in my band at the time, and so he was like my right hand man. Mm -hmm. And we we were told about this guy, and he he drove <laughs> up from Laguna Beach in his battered old Toyota pickup, and came into came up to um, Stevie's house at the time, and we had this sort of like tin shed, corrugated tin shed outside the house where we all played and um, and rehearsed and stuff like that. And Taylor came and auditioned and he was shit. He was total shit. However, he had this, he had this vibe and this energy. And I, when I say he was shit, he just wasn't experienced is what sure. I mean. He, he wasn't shit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He's an incredibly talented kid. 
guy. I see a kid. He's like in his 40s to me. Oh, he's a kid. <laughs> but, any, but anyways, he was a delightful human being. And he was, he was reeking of charisma even then. He was 22 years old. Okay. And, mm. uh, and, and I was like, Stevie, we're fucking hiring him. I don't care what you say. And he goes, no, nah, I'm with you. I agree. I'll get, I'll whip him into shape. And that's how it started. And he toured with me on the rats album and on the very last show of the tour in Los Angeles, my manager at the time, Lisa said, uh, I've got my friend, Scott, who's a manager has an artist who's about to go on tour and they need to find a band. And they were wondering, you know, if, if you minded, if they, you know, maybe hired some of the people in your band, cause we, cause you're going on hiatus now it was the end of my tour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not. My, my band, I can't keep them on retainer. They, they need to work. So of sure. course they can go. Yeah, for sure. So they came to see us this guy Scott and his artist whose name goes down in history is Alanis Morissette so it was a again that's how so they hired uh, Taylor and Nick Lashley who was my guitar player they they hired them for Alanis's band and she was it was right at the beginning of Jagged Little Pill nobody had heard of her yet except for in Canada but of course. I didn't live in Canada. None of us knew who the fuck it was. Like we had no, never heard of her at all. And um, next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Yeah. And it went from there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He's Absolutely. also still one of my best friends in the world. So, you know, he's a, he's a, a genuine, authentic human being with a great deal of love and appreciation. And he never forgot uh, me. The first time he went to Europe, it was the first time he was in a real band, a real working band. So I took him to Europe and all over North America. And he just, he never forgot it. And and eventually, of course, Dave heard of him because he was in Alanis' band. It was a Mm -hmm. huge, yeah. And that's awesome. how life goes, kids. Yeah. That's cool. So that's one of the things we like to do before we wrap it up is ask you the question mm-hmm. of what's in your earbuds lately? What have you been listening to? Whether new, old, okay. whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm, are you ready? Because I'm, I, Absolutely. there's two things that I cannot stop listening to. There's two things, two tracks. And I mean, I can't stop. Like I'm fully addicted. One of them I can't really pronounce. It's the Derek Trucks band from the album Song Lines. And it's a Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan song that is uh, in the, I, it's an Indian language and I cannot pronounce it. It's something, 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 something. It's the one, it's the track that has the Indian name. That's on the Derek Trucks band Song Lines album unbelievable then the second record which uh, the second actually I think I mean the whole record is amazing but the song that I cannot stop listening to it's it's a guy named I can't I, I can't say this right but he's Brazilian Hermeto 
Uh, I hope that wasn't meant as a question. I this is killing me right now because I really, really, really want you to listen to this. It's amazing. So I'm going to find it right now. And you guys keep talking amongst yourselves. Just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Everybody's listening. We can, you know, we can edit this in case people aren't interested Greg, in listening to me. Greg is the around. best. <laughs> Greg is the best oh, editor. Okay. So the name of the song by Derek Trucks band is Sahib Terry Bandi. And then the other one is Hermeto Pascual. H-E-R-M-E-T-O, second name, P-A-S-C-O-A-L. And the record is called The Monash, M-O-N-A-S-H, Sessions. Holy shit. I can't stop. I'm absolutely addicted. And by the way, the whole record, Song Lines by Derek Trucks Band, is to die. Like sick crazy. Sick. Oh. I am and both locked and loaded The Ernesto Pascual, the Monash Sessions, the song, the real song that got me like hooked is called Bebe, B-E-B-E, Bebe, mm-hmm. or B-B, Bebe. Yeah. Holy! <laughs> Stop yourself, I say. It is so freaking good. You're going to die. You're going to die over here. But that's if you like all kinds of music, because I like all kinds of music. I can't. I, the yeah, other was, stuff I love yeah. is Calm Whale. Calm Whale, as in the, the fish. Calm Whale on YouTube. Again, insane music. Insane. But not really. Like, it's definitely not pop music. It's more meditative type music. It's to die amazing. Calm Whale. He's on YouTube. Or she, I don't know what it is, but it's insanely great. Thank you for asking, because I love to share stuff I love. That's that's why we ask. Sash. And by the so Brazilian jazz, you got Brazilian jazz, you've got yeah. sort of froggishy, wild, bluesy, slide guitar-y Derek Trucks, who is a god in my in my books, a god. And then you've got this sort of shaman, shaman. Uh, meditation kind of type music with the calm whale. So yeah, and now I'm done. <laughs> Sass, this, this has Thanks. been a pleasure. Thank you. Listen, before you yes, go, you, you you have to tell people where where can they find your uh, your album Rebel Moon Blues. Well, now isn't that a damn fine question? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So. That is not a question. I, I, because I don't actually buy my record, so I have no. I am. Let's see. Uh, you can find it on Spotify. It's on yeah. Apple Music. Yeah. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on all the the usual. It's on all the usual suspects. All the usual places. And you can also go to my my website, sassjordan.com. Awesome. Sass. Strangely enough. But. <laughs> That is my, can you believe that's the name of my website? I don't know how that happened. How did you manage that? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, guys, can you edit any of this? Because I, I really, you know what I'm saying?
<laughs> I was dabbling there for a second. And it's like fucked up. So, but the other thing is I wanted, uh, I, I, I wanted to say something which I've completely forgotten. So there's that. Yeah, there you go. I wanted to ask you guys something. First, oh yeah, you can edit this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Kareem. Yes. It is insane how much you can sound like Eric Alper when you're talking on the phone. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, fuck you. What? Sound like Eric. <laughs> Is that a good thing? So weird, dude. It's a great. Okay, oh my good. God. Eric, Eric Alper is one of the most lovely, yeah, he's sweetest awesome. people you'll ever meet. I love Eric. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He is. Yeah. So no, it's a wonderful thing to sound like him. I, I, don't worry about it. I, but I kept going like, "Holy fuck, who's talking to you?" <laughs> no, I was getting a little too. I was getting a little too comfortable. You know. Oh, saying? good. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> that is a good thing. Wow. We didn't talk much, did we? We got on the phone at 6.30. It's now 7.48. Yo, uh, yo, yo, bro. We got hot. to go. <laughs> thank you, Sass. Sass, thank Sass. you so much for joining us. Right. It was awesome. I really, I really enjoyed that. And, I, and you guys are wonderful.